Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest this week is Cesar Teruel, if I want to pronounce it correctly. Although, although English-speaking people might say Cesar Terrell or something like that, but Cesar is from Venezuela, and that's the way it's pronounced in his country. So, and at the moment he's in Mexico, but uh, I gather you travel all over the place. I mean, I listen to recordings from Russia, and you're here, you're here, and you're there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over the place here. Yeah. yeah. So you, uh, I guess we would say you're more or less a full-time. I don't know if you define yourself as a spiritual teacher. Maybe you would, but that's what you do full-time. Uh, yeah, that's what I do full-time. Yeah. Cool. And, I uh, travel. I travel like I don't know, like twelve, thirteen countries a year, thirty-five, thirty-seven cities. Yeah. So. That's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So you sent me a little bio, and here's what you said. You said at the age of four or five, I was already feeling puzzled and confused by human behavior. At the age of 11, due to the discovery of the identity of my real mother, I lost respect and credibility for human culture, and uh, there arose in me an urge to understand the unreasonable behavior of humans. Um, the search for truth started in the streets, and I went through multiple phases, drugs, alcohol, religion, shamanism, spiritism, politics, revolution, and spirituality. I didn't find anything there but brief moments of tranquility, uh, but nothing permanent and tangible that could be called the truth. Uh, so I decided to find the truth for myself, by myself, but I couldn't, so I surrendered. And there, and then, I realized there was nothing to understand. In an instant of clarity of this truth, uh, was such that, in su such an obvious way and interpreted intellectually in this way, a little bit of an unclear sentence, but I think people get what you mean. Um, the one that perceives, the act of perceiving and what is perceived are one and the same. Separation simply does not exist. There is nothing to understand or to attain. There is only the totality. Life is an indivisible unit. So that part's very clear. So um, <laughs> that's the most important part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, my first question would be: I mean, many people, myself included, even as a teenager, mm. understood this concept that life is an indivisible unit and mm. that, that there really is all one, even though we perceive many. Mm. Uh, but there's a difference between understanding that intellectually yep. and, ha and having that be a living reality. Mm. And, and I think that's an important point because I think a lot of times people take the intellectual understanding and mistake it for the living mm. reality, and mm. it, as such, they're kind of selling themselves short. Mm. Now, even though, even if you have a moment of clarity, if this becomes your own perception, uh, automatically, because the mind is there, and then that becomes interpreted intellectually. But then, we go to the interpretation, we go to the realization, because for me, uh, awakening is this moment of nothing. You don't even know that you don't know. And then, for me, realization is uh, the mental movement that comes after which is natural, oh my God, there is only one thing, there is no separation, there is no whatever. But then we develop an identity with that, see, and then becomes a concept, see, a belief, fact. So it goes yeah. away. And then, and then we get stuck there, in the so-called uh, realization or, or, or whatever. No? Yeah, and, uh, and obviously are you, I suppose you're agreeing with me that it's not really adequate to just have this intellectual appreciation of the oneness mm -hmm. of life, it really has to be lived. Um, 
Absolutely. The thing is, uh, see, it has to be known experientially. Yeah, uh, I, I call awakening as a moment of clarity. I call it the cracking of the foundation of the structure of the ego. Mm -hmm. See, you have a whole building standing on that structure, and the structure cracks. But that's not it. See, that's just the beginning. Right. And that's a moment of clarity. What happened next is that the whole structure, the whole uh, psychological thought process collapses. See, and that takes a while, and it may take a long time. And, and it cannot be pleasant at all. I don't believe that awakening is a hunky-dory, sweet, beautiful, loving experience, you know, because you have to empty your, your psychological conditioning, and for that, it has to come to the surface. Since the body and the mind are one and the same thing, then you will have to experience what the mind is doing in the body. So you have to go through the whole, uh, so to say, suffering, and it's opposite, the whole emotional thing, positive stuff that the mind also creates, and it is... Uh, uh, sensing the body as uh, what we live is our emotions, you know, and it's a long process sometimes and it's not pleasant at all, so it's a moment of clarity and then what comes is a process of dissolution. You know? Interesting that you should say that because just uh, the other day I got into a little debate on Facebook and one, some, one of these comment threads where someone had, had proposed the notion that enlightenment has nothing to do with the body-mind and, you know, and my, my response was Oh, it certainly does. I mean, because the whole, you know, body-mind, it's lived through a body-mind. I mean, maybe maybe the absolute has nothing to do with the body-mind. You know, it was there before the universe was and, and will always be. But but actually, but enlightenment means living that, you know, and you live that through a body-mind. And therefore, the body-mind has to somehow be, you know, adjusted so that it can be lived. See, there is a, 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 a phenomenon going on for centuries about this, Carry on, we carry on doing this division between absolute and relative. And then we say, well, before the manifestation came into existence, the manifestation was ever present. It was just not manifested. It was right. just there. It was, it was like the tree is in the seed, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, well, what was the question? Oh, just about, you know, the body mind being an instrument through which this is lived. Yeah, well, it, it is a, just from this point of view, the only thing that the absolute has is the relative. See? The only thing that awareness, I'm using the vocabulary that people use, I don't like to use it that too much. The only thing that the awareness has is what awareness is aware of. It's the only thing that it has to experience. So it is all, an, it is all a, a, a perception. That's all what you got, you know, sense perception. Phenomenon. Nothing else is there. Huh? Yeah. Um, and so just for, you know, we, you, so you've, you've covered so far that, you know, there may be an initial glimpse or kind of a crack in the cosmic egg, so to speak, and then um, over time, and it, can, it could be a, a difficult process, one grows into a more mature, permanent realization of that. Um, so let's, I'll throw a couple of questions at you. One would be, um, what is the nature of that mature, permanent realization? In other words, when it's being lived, what is the quality of one's day-to-day -day experience, and, num and you can answer that one first, but then number two, we'll, we, maybe we can get into discussing how one can facilitate this, you know, do you just go around living your life as you always have, or is there something you can do to help bring it about? See, as you said, there is a moment of clarity, and, and there is an extraordinary phenomenon that happens later when apparently our enlightenment gets, is lost. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And, and things really go bananas because uh, normally there are more thoughts than before, you have more dreams than before, you can't sleep, you can't dress. It comes accompanied with a whole thought of experiences in the body. 
And there is an idea that you can control that, that you can accelerate the process, that you can deaccelerate the process, that you can, you know. And then you realize, I can't do anything, because in the first time I didn't do anything. The I that is talking now, claiming that God, it, it was not present. This I is yours again, mine, and what I mean mine is the idea of separate beingness. And then maturity comes when you understand that, and then you stop. You simply stop, and you go through whatever, whatever you have to go through. And then you start settling hmm? and, and in, in that condition. I call it condition. You start somehow becoming firmly established in that condition. Hmm? And then you start living, see, within that condition. When whatever happens is not perceived as separate from you. It's you. You are the very thing that you are thinking, feeling, uh, sensing, perceiving, etc., etc., etc. And and this starts grounding you, you know, into that condition that knowing that forget it. It's nothing that you can do. There was never a you that was doing... Uh, anything ever. No? Hmm. Well, what I th observe, uh, hmm? for, for what it's worth, is that um, for some people it's like you say, they, uh, you know, they're just going along minding their own business and then all of a sudden it's as if awakening grabs them by the scruff of the neck and dra starts dragging them along, kicking mm. and screaming, and, and they're, yeah. they're, not, they're not doing anything to make it happen. It's just mm. happening, and they, they mm. kind of learn to deal with it as best they can. Mm. But other people, and maybe even the majority of people, mm. this doesn't just happen automatically. Um, if, yes. and, and therefore, they find it helpful to engage in some sort of practice or some, you know, some meditation, something or other, which actually does uh, tend to uh, get something going, you know, get the, get the fire cooking for them. Well, even if there is an idea that I am practicing or making an effort or trying to understand or realize something, that's going also on automatic pilot. See? Or autopilot, I don't know how to say it properly. I see. So what you're saying is even, if it, even though it may appear that I'm doing yeah. it, in reality you're yeah. not doing it. It's just kind of part of a, a larger process. Because the one that believes is doing is, is, is that, it's a belief, and it's part of the appearance. See, it's part of the, of the projection, it's part of the, of the scene. It's another phenomenon that oneself is aware of or conscious of. So even, the apparent, even in the apparent effort, there is no effort at all. See? I, yeah, I see what you mean. Some, sometimes, sometimes I, I describe life as effortless existence. There is no, there's no effort at all anywhere, see, coming from anyone. Right. It's funny you should mention that because just this morning I, I saw this other little conversation on Facebook and I posted a couple of things. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the thing I posted was this verse from the Gita which says, the wise, the wise should not delude the ignorant by speaking of the uninvolved nature of the self. Mm -hmm. Established in being, they should engage in all actions and encourage others to do the same. But then mm -hmm. the very next verse is, you are not the doer. It's the good, it's nature is doing it, and if you you know if you think that you are the one who's actually doing it, you're you're mm -hmm. deluded. So on the one hand, what you say is, you know, it's all happening automatically. Yeah. We're, we're not really doing it. But on the other hand, that's not necessarily an instruction. You know, you see some some teachers sitting up in the front mm -hmm. of a room and and, yeah. and describing that state, mm -hmm. and it can be confusing for people because they feel like, oh well, there's nothing I can do. See. Uh, the absence of effort doesn't imply necessarily the, uh, the absence of activity. Right. Activity happens effortlessly, and you won't be able, even if you are seated, the body is active, the heart is beating, the head is growing, the gesture is happening, blood is circulating, immune system is working, etc., etc., etc. So life is happening, but, it's, but there is no desire, intention, effort, and even knowledge. Hmm? 
in, the, in this process. It's simply, it is simply going on. So I normally don't like to uh, make description of the condition. I, I'm just, I keep on repeating that whatever you perceive is yourself. There is nothing that you perceive through the sensor or even what you think or at any level, thought, energy, sense perception, materiality, whatever, it's not separate from you. You are everything that you are sensing, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but uh, instructions as such, it's impossible to be given, you know, because, because every, every form has a potentiality and that potentiality is already there, the programming is already there. You know? So we cannot control it, we cannot change it, we can do nothing just to let it be. And we cannot even let it be because it, it is, you know, before, before I give permission to it to happen, it's already happening, you know. I cannot even say I accept things as they are because when I accept it, the, the, the very thing that I ac I'm accepting, maybe it's not longer there, it's gone. Because it, it, life, is a, life is, is movement. It's a beginningless, endless movement. And it's impossible to encapsulate time, uh, life in time and space in a form of an abstraction and say, this is it. Because when I say, this is it, it's not longer there. It moved. It changed. Okay. Mm. So, so what is left to... <laughs> Yeah. There's, there's a principle in physics called the law of least effort. If we take a ball and throw the ball, you know, there are many different paths the ball could take, but what the path it does take is the, actually the most efficient path it could possibly take. You know, it takes the path of least effort. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of like that with... Now, now obviously, when you, when you observe human behavior, there seems to be a, a, a great range of... Um, you know, uh, adherence to that law. Some people, you know, they do a lot more than they need to and accomplish very little. Not they're not taking the path of least effort. Others seem to flow smoothly through life, and by you know doing very, they they may you know with very little effort, they may accomplish a lot. Well, I don't know about accomplishment because if you are moving, it's, it's like it's a constant movement. Nothing can be accomplished. See, nothing can be attained, no goal can be achieved, because it goes on moving, see? You, you left it behind, and the achievement, and the goals, or whatever it is, it's already memory, it's already past, it's already gone. Hmm? And life goes on and on and on. So such thing as achievements, and goals, and attainments, in reality, it doesn't exist. It's another idea. Sure, but like as you move through the world, for instance, you've been to I don't know how many countries this year, and you travel all over. So hmm. in a way, those could be, you know, called accomplishments or something. I did this, I did this, I did this. But I imagine that your experience is that it's a very kind of effortless flow, even when you're missing planes and, you know, mm -hmm. planes are canceled and you're sitting in the airport oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff. There's yeah. a sort of a natural acceptance of what is, right? Yes. Yeah, because, see, actually, it, it, it's amazing that you touched the point because it just happened on the way to, from, from Ireland to, to Costa Rica and then from Costa Rica to Mexico. I was not aware that I need a visa to go in transit uh, from U.S. because now U.S. Uh, the border of U.S. is at the airport of departure. So U.S. is already in the other country. So you cross migration from another country. And I say, oh my God, see, what am I going to do now? I cannot charge again the tickets for the organizers or whatever. So you, you go through whatever you have to go through, but somehow there is a sense of, uh, and there can be some kind of, uh, apparent agitation and apparent stress and, and looking here and there and da, 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 da. but in reality 
uh, it's absolute tranquility. See, because yeah. it's no, there is no. In reality, there is no stress. There is a, there is intensity. See, in 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 the way of doing things, but there is no stress. It's a completely different thing. No stress and intensity. No, there is no worry or preoccupation. See, there is only occupation. You are not preoccupied. You are just occupied. Right. Yeah. 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 That's the, a, that's the thing that many people don't understand. And awakening gives you absolutely nothing. It just takes everything away from you. And you carry on living an ordinary human existence, but in a complete sense of no conflict. Therefore, there is no suffering. Yeah. Right. It ta in other words, it takes away a lot of unnecessary stuff. You know, like the average person is in a situation like that, traveling and visa problems and all. They might be just, oh my God, what am I going to do? Tearing my hair out. You know, just feeling very frustrated and upset. Whereas, none and none of that. Contributes to any solutions to the situation. You know, imagine a cat that is facing two dogs, mm -hmm. and the cat does the same thing. Oh my God, what am I going to do? See, but the cat is not stressed or worried or preoccupied. The guy, the cat is occupied. See, trying to figure out what to do in that moment, and then there is a tremendous amount of energy and vitality in in in, in that in that movement, mm -hmm. and it is exactly the same thing, because uh, the natural state of human being is distraction. See, and when you are distracted, then you are perceiving more than what is there, and then there is this extraordinary movement of the mind and the body, which is so effortless, spontaneous, and so dynamic and so alive. You know? it's, it's like, oh my, you can say, oh my God, what am I going to do? But this is, a, this is not a preoccupation. This is already mm, a thought process. See, that is a, 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 just an attempt to find out if there is a way out. If there is no way out, then what to do? But there is a way out, then you, you go through it. You know? So in your own case then, you know, you were searching, doing all these different things, drugs and alcohol and shamanism and politics and whatnot, but then you finally had a kind of a breakthrough, as I understand it, right? Can you describe that a little bit more? Well, I had this breakthrough all the way through. I realized that I had the, the, this awakening was all the time present, but there was no understanding there was a fancy name called enlightenment and awakening for that particular condition. The difference between now and then is that before there was a tremendous amount of conflict with the culture, see, with the, with the human system, the human belief system. And now there is no conflict whatsoever because uh, there is an understanding that is part of the story and it's not separate from you neither. It is also you. See, even the, the terrible madness happening nowadays so within you, this is you too. So I remember, uh, for example, uh, I used I used to love, I grew up in an island in the Caribbean Sea in Venezuela, Margarita Island, and, and one of the most beautiful moments that I experienced there was with my father. My father has a small yard, and I remember these recurring experiences. I, I loved to spend alone. I was never afraid or concerned about being alone. I was enjoying all the time being alone since I am a child. And there were moments when I was in the, on on the flying bridge of the yard, and the wind will blow, and somehow. Any thought process will stop. It's like when you feel the, the sound of the wind in your ears and you hear the everything will disappear. And automatically there was the disappearance of the eye. And again, it's like you are a non-physical, you are. Just, just be careful because I'm not saying that you are that only. No? That there is kind of a non-physical space that is capable to perceive or to be aware of. And everything that is perceived is contained within the perceiver itself. Somehow, still there is a perceiving and a perceived, but there is no idea that there is separation or even the idea of unity. That doesn't exist. So I had this recurring experience. So uh, then I went into surfing, 
And uh, I started surfing. I used to spend a lot of time by the beach. And I, used to, I remember this experience closing my eyes, and I could see the redness. And you know, facing the sun, I could see the redness of the blood. I moved my eyes, and I could see how the dirt will move. And I say, hold on a second. See, if I can see the dirt, I can see the eye. So who the hell is seeing the eye? See, there is something there, but there wasn't a recognition that that is also myself. So there wasn't so like something is there seeing through me. Because still there was an idea of a me separate being, and I didn't know that I was also that. See, that what is in front and behind is one and the same thing. So I went through all this uh, process uh, in my life. I remember another strong experience, and after that experience I was shot 14 times. <laughs> Somebody charged a 9 millimeter. You you shot with a gun? Yeah, but one of them, no bullet touched me, you know. That's oh, they, they fired 14 times, but they didn't hit you. Oh yeah, but on the way, yeah, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, I was coming from Dallas forward from a training, I was working for American Airlines, and I, we used to go to Dallas forward for the training, and then on the way back, the shuttle didn't pick me up, I was living close right by the sea, and there were some funny guys by the sea, and then the shuttle didn't pick me up, and I had to go to the office to surrender some papers, I was working in security, and I had to, you know, take care of that, and then I said, well, I have to walk, and I said, oh my God, these guys are there, and this area was not that safe and then on the way uh, I saw the moon so it's a huge moon on the, on, the, on the sky and it's like a rainbow around the moon and the impact of that experience automatically stopped my mind and there you are no mind and even uh, uh, basically the, the body consciousness was basically gone and again puff so this was happening all the way through you know and India was the, mo the, the, the most powerful one because there was no uh, consciousness of the body. Even when I was still with my eyes open, I couldn't sense the body, I couldn't move it. Uh, whatever I believe was me disappeared, see, but somehow there was some kind of existence was there. So existence was present. But as what? As all there is. Yeah? So this is how, how, how it did happen. But of course, thousands of years of conditioning and identification because the ego is not yours or mine, it's just the ego is just there. And mine is not your or mine, it's just collective. It's just a collective uh, thought, psychological thought process within uh, human consciousness. So it keeps on coming back, it keeps on coming back, it keeps on coming back. So it takes a while to, to, to dissolve all that identity or, 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 to, or for this quality of thought process to stop because thought process is thought process. See? And a thought process is part of, a, for me, it's part of an evolutionary movement within human beings. When at some point human beings started thinking, hmm? and then thinking was prior to the, the appearance of the thought of the thinker. So the, the, the thinker is a byproduct of thinking. See, it came after. Yeah. And then, since then, uh, the, the the thought process. It was no longer only practical, also it became psychological. So the opinion of a psychological entity took place, the, see, the, the person came into existence. You know? And then thought process is one and the same, but one is practical and another one is psychological. But it's mixed up, this is why it's so difficult to discriminate, discriminate between one and the other. And this is where many people fail or, or have a trouble, especially when they do the inquiry, because the inquiry is done by me. See, it's not an inquiry about me, which is what really dissolves the me. And then, uh, that's the thing. So this is, this is what takes time, and everybody struggles, and that's part of the game too. You know? Everybody has to struggle. See, there's no, there's no perfect seeker or anything like that. So for me, awakening is, a, is an evolutionary process. There's nobody's in charge of that movement. See? Hmm. So, you know, most people in the world, 
I mean, well, actually, they've done polls, like the Gallup you know, organization has done polls, and a lot of people claim to have had some kind of spiritual experience spontaneously or some sort of breakthrough or you know, something or other. Uh, but for the, I'd say for the most part, most of the people in the world are pretty locked in and not having this kind of experience spontaneously. Then, then there are some people like yourself who, you know, even from a very young age, seem to have these breakthroughs or glimpses or realizations, and they just come unbidden, automatically and you know, periodically, and uh, you know, and then others. I mean, like Eckhart Tolle, for instance, or Byron Katie. You know, they hadn't had very much of that sort of thing going on, but then all of a sudden they had this awakening, this realization, and it was pretty much irreversible. You know, after that, there was it took a while to get used to it, but once the awakening took place, that was it. They were a, they were you know a different person, so to speak. Um, so there seems to be this whole kind of different. There's this range of types of people, um, and you know the the people who have uh, you know kind of a spontaneous awakening that's irreversible are pretty rare. You know, the people who, like yourself, have periodic realizations which go away again are more common. And I'd say the people who have nothing whatsoever, you know, uh, are the most common. There are billions of them in the world. So I, go ahead. I think you want to respond to what I've said so far. Yeah, the thing is that even if, even if you fell back to the belief that you're a separate entity, it still is irreversible. Because on the foundation of this, the psychological structure cracks, there's no way back. Uh -huh. See, sometimes I, I call it like the, the, the blown up of the, of the lid of the Pandora box. See, it is blown up, it is torn into pieces, okay, it gets reduced to ashes, you cannot put it back. There's no right. way back. You, you may go in and out of identification with whatever, whatever it may be, but there is no way back. And uh, it doesn't matter if it is who it is, the, this, even if you're a super awakened being, everybody has to go through a process of dissolution. And this process of dissolution falsely has to have time because it implies uh, an unplug or, or, or dissolution of a neurological network. Mm -hmm. If it happens once for all, okay, the body simply would not take it. This right. has to be periodically. If the, all the neurological network created by our psychological thought process collapses and is unplugged, the body, the body won't take it. This is why, mm -hmm. for me, this is more a physical phenomenon than a spiritual. This is more a, mm -hmm, because it is experiencing the body. See, awakening is experiencing the body. Yeah. No, I agree with that. We were talking about that earlier in the interview. Um, any experience we have, if I look at my thumb, you know, there's something going on in the brain that's, that's enabling that experience to take place. Uh, and certainly, state of enlightenment or realization which is you know much more radical shift in in one's experience of life than merely looking at one's thumb must require or, or correlate with a quite a radical transformation in the way the body functions and uh, the way the brain functions and so on and as you say that's not going to just happen overnight it's not going to it's going it could take quite some time for those adjustments and changes to take place Moment of clarity, this, let's call it breakthrough or whatever, it takes no time. It's just bang, finish. Yeah. See? You don't even know what's going on. So it takes a while to understand what's going on. And it takes a while to, to, to become famous established in that condition. But definitely, as you say, it takes a while. And then the body, you know, the whole body shakes because I don't believe that the, the whole memory is in the brain. There is memory in the whole body. In the whole molecular structure of the body, there is memory. So we, 
it will be naive to 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 expect that thousands uh, thousands of years of psychological conditioning will just disappear like that. You know, all this global awakening, yes, it's very nice, okay, and it is happening, but this will take a while, you know, for, for seven billions of human beings to, you know, to get rid of all that stuff. So this is something that is just beginning to happen, you know? Yeah. That's what happens from my God, and it seems to me that it's happening more and more. It's somehow transmitted genetically. It's in, it's in your DNA. Mm -hmm. the, possibility, the potentiality of awakening is already there. It's somehow it's like the body... He's saying, okay, he said, I have to get rid of you. Or life's saying, I have to get rid of you. It's not you who is getting rid of anything. It's you who is getting rid of, you know, or the idea of you. This is what is really happening, see? Yeah. And I don't know if the whole 7 billion of the world's population is ever going to get it all at once, but there does seem to be something in the collective consciousness that's causing more of a popcorn effect where, you know, more and more people are, are waking up. Now we were talking about the brain. The brain, the brains have some new sets of neurons that they call mirror neurons, see? And then you, you observe, you learn, you repeat, you perfectionate, and then you transmit by your own behavior. Mm -hmm. the same way the sense of separation produces an impact, see, the absence of the sense of separation also produces an impact. So it's kind of a, a, a movement, you know, that is happening, and it, it will take some time. That's what I'm saying. I mean, this is going to take us... I don't know, maybe 100 years or something like that, you know? Yeah, who knows? If they, I, I feel that it is a moment of reconciliation, it's a moment when humanity has to put on the table all what they did technologically, scientifically, all the knowledge that they have, put it on the table and see what stays and what it goes, see what is really functional and organic and harmonious and what is not. And then, so this is just the beginning, we're just beginning to see the light, you know, <laughs> of what is going to happen in the future. You know? Yeah, no, you're making a good point here, which is that um, this whole spirituality stuff that we talk about actually has a practical significance in terms of uh, the fate of humanity, in terms of our technologies, our environment, our economy, all the different th practical things that we see on the news. And, of course, usually when you watch it on the news, there's no mention of uh, spirituality or, or consciousness, but that's the kind of underlying influence that's, probably more the most influential in terms of where all this is going all this is going out <laughs> all this is on the way out yeah all this uh, the culture as we know it the society as we know it is just we can begin to say goodbye to that <laughs> it's a phenomenon that I, I, I'm having I would say the good luck to, to perceive is that traveling so much and, and, and having the good luck to experience large amount of people in the talk, for example, in Moscow, 500 people, or 600 in Kiev, 500 in Kiev, 300, 400, and so on, in Ukraine. And I found that the, young, the youngsters often want to join this mad culture. See, so the, 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 the new generation doesn't want to go in, and the old generation wants to go out. See? And, and, and I found this question, sister, it's nice that we talk to you because we were not completely sure who was the one who was mad, we or the society. Hmm? And we don't want to join that, we don't want to be part of that, but the question is what to do, we don't know what to do, because, and I say, well, this is a question you shouldn't ask to anyone, especially me, don't ask this question to anyone, what to do, stay with you with your I don't know, hmm? and then something will kick in. And, and it will manifest itself and it will be so obvious and so clear that this is what has to be done but because it is different and because there is no chance that we can see how it's going to be the consequences of that because we are used to function 
in the security system that I do this because I know if I do this I get that I, I know if I do this I will avoid but this way of functioning when the when all that disappears when your preconceived idea disappears it's, a, it's an action that you don't know how it's going to be right and then we are a little bit of a faith to make a step forward and say you just go ahead you just don't question you don't doubt yourself hmm. but definitely all what we perceive a society or culture or tradition or religion or politics or economy this is just on the way out see on the way of the solution because all that is based the society that we live in is based upon the sense of individuality, you see? We have something called a state, the state is an individual, you know? You, we have something called religion, it's also an individual. All that is our imaginary separate individual selves, you know, operating, see, apparently independently from the other and in control of the other, etc., etc., etc. So we can say cheers and goodbye to this. this so there's, there's quite a few teachers who talk about, you know, the importance of not knowing and of, of uh, uncertainty. So that's kind of the point you're making, I guess, that if, if we are adamantly sure of the way things are, the way things should be, and, and so on, then there's a rigidity in that. And uh, better to not insist that things happen any particular way, not, not be absolutely certain of our correctness or rightness, and then we can um, be more uh, flexible to accept the changes that are, that are coming along. Because the way we function now, it is all a controlling mechanism. It is all a form of control. And it is all based upon the past. You see, the past conditioned my behavior. See, it's what controls the, the, the behavior of the body. This body goes to the right or to the left, to the pub or to the church or to the ashram or to the beach or to whatever, just conditioned by experiences. Because I want more of that. And now I develop a system, see, to get more of that or to avoid see any of that and then I develop my whole uh, technique my whole technology my whole system that I believe if I do this I get that if I don't do this I don't get that or I avoid that see so this is all a form of control it's just trying to repeat again and again and again see the same experiences because these are experiences see what you perceive now enters in the memory and this is experience sometimes I like to make this distinction between experiences and perception. One thing is to perceive, another thing is to experience. To perceive is there is no experiences because there is no experience there. So it is only sense perception. There is no interpretation. Maybe there is a we refer to the experience, we refer to the object, but we don't define the object, we don't give identity to the object, and we don't give a value to the object. And that's kind of a pure kind of thing. And my what I'm experiencing is my mind. Is my if I am in a soccer and my win, my my team wins the World Cup, and, and that has to do because a little ball is just crossing a net. See, an arc is a net. See, it is what I'm experiencing really is myself as a separate entity. What I'm experiencing is the experience there, and that is also applied to meditation and spirituality. When people are meditating and feel all this and that, this is just a byproduct of your own psychological conditioning. See? <laughs> so are you. Uh if we try to extract a, a, a practical point from all this, are, are you saying that there's that people overlay too much interpretation on simple events, like taking the soccer match as an example? You know, these everybody goes crazy if their team wins, and they riot and they do all these things, all about a little ball going through a net. So, are you saying that if we 
But that would kind of imply, I remember the first time I'd been meditating a few months and some people took me to a football game, and I, regular American football, and I just kind of, everybody was cheering and whooping. I was just kind of sitting there watching these little guys run around on the field, and it didn't do much for me. And afterwards, everybody criticized me for being dispassionate. Uh, you know, they, they, like they'd, I'd ruined their experience by sitting there like a lump on the bench. Um, so, are you, but it, it almost sounds like you're advocating that, like we don't, we shouldn't um, overlay all this interpretation on top of su simple events. But if we all do that, wouldn't we become a, a rather bland society? Not at all. It's not a bland society. It's a peaceful society, a tranquil society, it's a harmonious society. Mm -hmm. <laughs> The positive emotions and the negative emotions, they are one and the same. They are both hallucinated. They are both the byproduct of a psychological thought process. But there is something there which I like to call feelings, which is kind of a neutral. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, the feeling, people call it love. I don't like to call it that way because it's subject to multiple interpretations. It's like a, we have positive and negative. That means separation. But when positive and negative are experienced as inseparable, then you have love. See, when the good guys and the bad guys together, see, as one uh, society or one family or whatever you like to call it, this is love. And love is nothing but uh, harmony and peace and equanimity and tranquility and the, the absence of conflict and suffering. That's all. It's not a hunky-dory romantic divine experience. All this is just decorated by <laughs> my spirituality and religion. In the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Blend. No, sorry, sometimes my English. is You don't become a flat human being, see, a cold, dry, uh, on the contrary, you become more sensitive because you perceive more. Actually, I found that affection, for you, to be, uh, for you to know what affection is, you need to be affected. So I completely disagree with this state of non-affection, of not, not being affected. So I cannot have a real relationship with you, I cannot have a real uh, communication with you if I don't feel you fully as myself. See, if you don't affect me, so our relationship is superficial because I don't really know what is going on there. What, I, what I'm feeling is just an interpretation of what is going on there. So I need to, to be you, see, to feel you completely as myself so we can have a, a, a real connection or relationship or communication. Hmm? Okay. So uh, I guess what you're saying is that ideally... Uh, if one is not covered, uh, if there's not a huge screen of of interpretations and and judgments and opinions and and so on and so forth, th th which tend to cloud or block one's appreciation of things, then there's more of an innocent openness, and one will be more actually deeply attuned to and appreciative of. Uh, the people they encounter, and you know, more sensitive. Um, but but at the same time, I think what you're saying is that that added sensitivity won't necessarily make them, um, you know, you, you think of sensitivity, and, and and you may think the word vulnerability. You know, that if a person is sensitive, then they're going to be thrown about by everything that happens. But I mean, they're speaking of the Gita again. There are these verses about, you know, not. Uh, being in a, about being in a state where you you don't overly rejoice on on gaining what is good, nor overly grieve on on having you know experiencing what is bad. There's an equanimity that develops, a balance in success and failure. Yes, you you, you can you can you can have a tremendous amount of sadness or depression or anger or, wh or whatever it is, and yet to be in a complete 
see, state of quietness and peacefulness and harmony because you are in harmony even with the disharmony. Mm -hmm. You are not in conflict even with the, with the conflict that is happening within you. So this is a very in a condition that it's impossible to dis describe. So you have to, you have to, it has to become your own, uh, your own uh, perception. You know? Yeah, and it's kind of paradoxical. I mean, it might be confusing for people to hear it because it sounds like you're talking about two opposite things happening at the same time. Yeah. And I need to feel, if I to get rid of that, I need to feel that. See, all my anger, all my jealousy, all my pride, all my fears, all my nonsense. So you have to come to the surface and it has to be completely, uh, I have to be possessed fully for all that stuff so it can go out. See, mm -hmm. it's going out. You see, it's just, liberation is from that. So getting back to your own case, um, you know, we were talking about how you were having these um, spontaneous experiences of oneness or clarity even from a young age, um, and they were, but they were intermittent. They came and went. And um, then did you eventually get to a point where they, it was pretty much a constant? It wasn't coming and going anymore? And, if, and, pro, pro, and in the process of getting to that point, was there, as you, say, as you were just saying, uh, a kind of a processing or a purging of all kinds of emotional stuff? But did, did, that, did that process eventually complete itself and you got to the point where there wasn't much smoke anymore? It was, it was just a clarity that was consistent. The thing is that it doesn't really matter if your, if your conditioning goes on showing up. See, to become established in the condition doesn't imply that the conditioning is fully gone. See, implies the absence of sense of separation with the conditioning because you are also the conditioning, right? Actually, there is nothing but conditioning technologically, scientifically, biologically, and psychologically. Mm. Goes away is the, is the psychologically. And when the psychologically goes away, the technologically or scientifically also changes. It gets modified because it's not longer uh, manipulated or used by the ego, right? But yes, at some point that stops. It stops. The, the, the sense of separation is what, what disappears. See, you go in and out of identification, but you don't go in and out of awareness or in and out of awakening or in and out of the space or the absolute. See, you go in and out of identification, that's all. This is what appears and disappears, is the me. Hmm? Okay, so let's clarify this point. So, are you saying that the sense that identification and going in and out of identification is always going to happen all your life, but, or no, you're not saying that? No, this is what it stops, see? But even if there is conditioning, mm -hmm. me separate from the conditioning, there is no me experiencing the conditioning, See, the me disappears completely, even yeah. the conditioning goes on showing up. What happens is that the conditioning loses the power to control the behavior of the body. See, I can be angry with you, okay, and then in my mind I can see how I go to the kitchen, grab a knife, and start stabbing you. But that never happens. That stays here. See, it's like you, it's like you press the clutch, like you are driving a BMW, okay, that has six gears, so to speak. And then you are on the sixth gear, driving at 700 kilometers per hour, right? But eventually, the clutch is pressed. Vroom, see? And what happens with that car? Hmm? Nothing. It started slowing down. Right. Because the engine is no longer driving it. Exactly. It's no longer, the car is no longer conditioned by the gear or the mechanism that is functioning in the car, that's running the car. And it doesn't matter if you do vroom, 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 it doesn't move. See? Okay. So are you saying then that a very a deeply conditioned person... 
a, a deeply identified person might actually go to the kitchen and get the knife and stab, whereas a less conditioned person might have the thought of doing that but not do the action. And couldn't we just take it another step and say that an even less conditioned person wouldn't even have the thought? That, that t the tendency to have such thoughts would have been eliminated. But the double stuff you need to solve. See, you, and then you, you see it. See, it is just there. So it stays here. And here it gets dissolved. See, sometimes I say that the moment of clarity, going back to the moment of clarity, you switch on, you switch off the fan. Click. That's it. And it still spins for a while. Spins for a while. And then you keep on seeing the spinning, right? But it, 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 it does longer operate, it becomes inoperant. Mm -hmm. You can have sort of madness, you can have all sorts of desires, mental projections, all that, and it's perfectly all right, because it has to happen. You have to see all that in order to get rid of that. See, that, that can only get dissolved by expressing itself, by coming to the surface, no? by coming to the light, so to speak. Yeah, but it's playing itself out. You're not creating new stuff. So, the, the, the so-called establishing the condition, and that condition is that there's no more uh, intent to control it, to manipulate it, to get rid of it, because the one that is separate from it, the one that is supposed to be experiencing it as a separate entity is not longer there. See, it's the me which disappears, and then the rest starts melting down with it. This goes away and takes away all the rest with it. You know? And then you can suffer as much as you want, you can be sad as much as you want, depressed as much as it is no longer a problem, because there is no one there that can possibly have a problem with what it uh, sense of it. But then, of course, you have people saying, hey, you know, I, I know I'm acting like a complete jerk, but that's uh, not me, because there is no me. It's just conditioning playing out, you know. And, and I, I kind of like a, you know, I, I, I don't totally um, accept that line of <laughs> alibi, you know. See, what happens with duality, neo, advaita, whatever, whatever, it does that everything just happens is just uh, a justification see, of our nonsense, right? Right. Everything just happens means that what you sense or perceive is what is happening, right? <laughs> yes, what happens here is also happening, but it's not really happening because it's just a mental projection. So what you think is not what is happening, see? Uh, what you think is never what is happening, it's what is not happening actually, see? And the one that thinks is not happening neither, it's just also an idea that is happening, that it is there, which is the me, which is the... the, the no? Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is that, um, you know, we don't get absolved from the consequences of, of our behavior, even if our behavior is just a playing out of latent tendencies once the, you know, the me has been dissolved. You know, there's a, there's a, a, I don't know if you remember the band, the band, it was a great uh, musical group in the United States, or actually they were from Canada, and uh, there, there's a song called, uh, you know, I'm a thief and I dig it, and then the line is, temptation waits behind that door, what do you want to go and open it for? And the guy sings, because I'm a thief and I dig it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but he'll end up going to jail because that's the consequence of such behavior. He, and, and, you know, having realized the self or the non-self or whatever is no excuse, we still have to face the consequences of our actions. Sometimes, sometimes it's to be necessary that the tendency has to express itself and becomes an action so you can see it. See? Sometimes you have to go through whatever you have to go through to see it because whether, whether you see it what is happening, it dissolves it. It also dissolves it if you see it after. 
when you are having dinner, you did something in the morning, you're having dinner, I said, what was that? That was absolutely ridiculous. That is just minor stuff. And it works in the same way. So sometimes you have to do whatever you have to do to recognize that what you're doing is conditioned by your psychological thought process. Hmm. I like that point. And, and so maybe what you're saying is that ordinarily persons... You know, like Jesus said when they were nailing him to the cross, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. It's like people act in a blind kind of way where they just kind of complete re repeating and reinforcing the same behaviors. But what you're saying is after a certain level of realization, these behaviors may come up, but they come up more as a, um, in, as a process of recognizing them and defusing them or dissolving the tendency for them to come up in the future. Yes, yes. Uh, this is the end of the so-called destiny, because destiny is, not, not, is nothing but what you are bound to do because of your preconceived ideas, your beliefs. Mm -hmm. you, you will carry on going here and there, whether it's to the pop or the ashram, based on the belief that there is something there that you're going to get and it's going to be happy, full, or complete, or whole. Right? So that's what is destiny. When, when that disappears, there is no more destiny. Your, your life is a random movement. See, every second is a quantum leap. I, I believe this is what quantum mechanics is trying to explain. It's a, it's a change that is produced by the mere presence of the observer or, or observation. When there is no identification with the observed, then uh, you step out of your limited perception, which is just a perspective, right? And then you start you move in, in the in directions of perceiving things that you never imagined. So you can see the rest of the potentiality, so to speak. So we are just perceiving only a fraction, just an infinitesimal part of the totality of what is. This is just a perspective. But, and, and, and this perspective is your upbringing, which is your culture, your tradition, your religion, your politics, your economy, plus an identity with it. That's me. When the identity with that perspective disappears, then you, you start perceiving more of what is there, so you can, you move to the rest of the infinite amount of possibilities that already exist, see, you, you, your life becomes a, uh, a never knowing where are you going, why are you doing what you're doing, see, and you never know, I mean, this is the meaning of not knowing, see, mm. but people speak about the truth is this, the truth is that, and I say, my friends, see, the truth is that nobody knows, see, no. Because even to know, you need two, the known and the known, and that doesn't exist. It's very nice. I, I like what you're saying. Um, I'm kind of fond of astronomy. I like looking at pictures of galaxies and clusters of galaxies and all that because you get a sense of how vast the in intelligence of the universe is and how what a teeny tiny little expression of it we are. Even our, even our, our whole solar system is like nothing a speck you know much to what what to say of a particular individual and yet most people are completely locked into this is who i am this individual <laughs> you know whereas really you are that cosmic intelligence just expressing itself as an individual but you know see the only way i can conceive the word i if it means totality mm. see the whole existence whether you like to call it absolute and relative, manifestation and manifested, awareness and the contained, the container, the whole thing, okay, that's the only way I can conceive the word I, because if this body is uh, made out of 100 trillion cells, okay, which one is me? The right. parasites? No ways. You see, the bacteria, no chance in hell. The blue eyes, well, that's me. See, and then it's like a, it's like a, 
we pretend to divide the totality into pieces and then pick one of those and say, well, this is me. Sometimes my joker says, guys, the body is nothing but a, a bacteria that is capable to think. That's all. This body is just nothing but animated cosmic dust. If you compare the size of this body with the sun, you cannot even perceive it. So, and why you carry on making a status uh, about people and Alexander the Great and the whole stuff, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when you think of the size, think of how long it takes you to fly to Russia, you know, uh, how long it takes to go around this little planet. And yet Voyager 1, which we, fi we put up in space 30 years ago and is traveling 17 kilometers a second, is just now leaving our solar system, you know, and, and our solar system is nothing compared to the, and it, you know, the size, it takes uh, you know what I'm saying. I mean, the, the the universe is vast, and when we're kind of locked, it's like the whole ocean has gotten squeezed into a drop when we regard ourselves merely as an individual. That is what the ego is. The ego is contraction. Mm. See, and then uh, they, they, we are trapped. In that see, but they, they, but somehow life says mm -mm, there's something. See, something is going on here. Ah, see, and dissolves that contraction, which is that sense of separation and that ego. Because ego is not something. Ego is just, it's just not even there. It's just an idea that I am a separate being, that have an autonomous, independent existence. That's all. It's, it's that simple. Hmm? Hmm. And, yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because there is a natural tendency toward contraction. I mean, that's... Every, you know, everyone is... I mean, the whole, uni the whole universe is... Uh, is a phenomenon of of the unbounded contracting into specific points, you know, and uh, it's. A f I'm sorry. Go ahead. Whole manifestation is the result of, of the contraction of the energy that couldn't expand more, because it, it couldn't go further than that. Just in a way to put put it in a way. Uh, this is metaphorically. It's like the, the totality wanted to be more, but couldn't be more than what it is. See, and then it couldn't expand anymore. See, I say, well, how can I, I want more? But I can't because I am all there is, right? And they say, I cannot expand myself. Hold on a second, but I can contract myself. Mm. I am one. May I become many? Exactly. And then, and there is a, I love a, a Mayan explanations about that. If you have a, the difference between a, a normal glass and and uh, how do you call this glass that you cannot break that you can shoot and it doesn't break? Oh, it? like um, bulletproof glass or or Pyrex or whatever it's called. Or... Yeah, so if you see a glass made out of normal glass and you see a glass made out of this uh, indestructible glass, you don't see the difference. See, the difference is that the molecular structure changed. See, mm. it was contracted. See, it was modified, and this is what is happening. The whole existence is contracting and expanding and modifying, see, and doing whatever it wants with, with what is contained already within itself, you changing the potentialities and transforming and that, that's all. It's like a, like a compulsive fashion designer. <laughs> yeah. That's but, you know, it's interesting because what you are saying a minute ago, the totality wants to grow and yet it realizes, I am totality, what more can I do? Okay, I'll contract. But the, the interesting thing is that by going through that process of contraction, and then the contracted bits kind of realizing, coming back to realize their totality, then then we have what they call Brahman, you know, which is something more than the sum of its parts, which is something more than than just totality or contraction, but it's actually it is so totality being uh, become having become a living reality through contraction. 
Yes, it becomes manifested, so it can it can it can be perceived objectively. You see. Yeah, it's it's the totality: breathing, speaking, you know, experiencing as totality. Exactly, because sometimes I say there is no dog barking in the dog. There is no bird singing in the bird. There is no person uh, speaking in a human body. See, there is a, what is happening here is a, just energy passing through the vocal cords, vibrating them, and producing a sound that in reality has no meaning whatsoever. Hmm? But there is an idea that there is somebody here talking. Hmm? But there is nobody there. It's just energy. Actually, there is nothing but energy. Hmm. It's interesting, you know, sometimes when I hear talk like this, I think, well, it's just talk, and what's it going to do for people? But I really, you know, you're convincing me otherwise at the moment, because I, I really feel like attuning your thinking to this level of understanding, like you were saying a while back, you know, once you have a glimpse, you can't forget it. Attuning your thinking to this level of understanding does actually shift something in a more permanent way than you might realize. It helps to kind of bring about a transformation in, in one's perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. The understanding of this transforms your life completely. At least, at least the way you perceive things, uh, at least the way that your behavior changes completely. Hmm? Yeah. Huh. I don't believe in these things that you keep on doing the same things and this and that and the other. That, that's, that's, that's not true. Yeah. In fact, in some traditions, especially the Vedic tradition, they say that the final stroke of realization or of enlightenment is a matter of understanding, just understanding. It's nothing but understanding. It's not an experience. It's what I tell to people. Right. What you need to have is an understanding. Mm -hmm. If you have an understanding, that's good enough. Everything else is a byproduct of his understanding. And this understanding is the result of what I call undivided observation. When I see what I call myself hmm, fully, I don't touch it. I don't even let it be. See, I just, it's there, it's just happening. And then you start understanding okay, what you call yourself. And then you become understanding that there is no such thing as yourself. It's an understanding. It cannot be the result of any practice or any effort or, or any sort of meditation or anything. It's just being completely aware of what is happening. And to be aware doesn't, it doesn't involve identification, it doesn't involve any form of control. It's, it's be completely possessed see, by what you are aware of. See? see, I don't know how to say it. See, it's like possessed, you know, like you allow every single cell of your beingness, see, being uh, permeated by whatever is happening. And then the understanding happens that I cannot separate myself from what I think, from what I feel, from what I sense, from what I perceive. And that's it. And then this understanding becomes uh, more uh, strong or becomes more established and eventually becomes unshakable. Mm. Just to play devil's advocate on that point, although I agree with you, I would I would suggest that um, you know there's that saying it takes a thorn to remove a thorn. Uh, that not everyone is at a point where that clear level of understanding can be attained or or um, stabilized, and there can be many sorts of practices and techniques and meditations and whatnot that can cl help to clear away a lot of the garbage that will get them to the point of a clarity where where uh, such understanding can be appreciated, you know, can be entertained. Mm. Well, I know you. You have you ask this question all the time. <laughs> I do. I guess. 
It's uh, it's, it's sort of like I have this attitude of. No, that's fine. That's fine. Many paths for many people, and, and a lot of things are are contributing. And, and it's it's easy to dismiss everything else and just say you know the way I have, the way I have experienced it is the right way. But I I kind of feel like. Everything that one engages, that people engage in, is we're all kind of climbing up the same mountain from different paths. Uh, see, you have to do whatever you have to do until you understand that there is nothing that needs to be done. Yeah, perfect. I, I can agree with that. You will do whatever you're going to do, and you. I did the whole A, B, C of spirituality. I mean, and more, right? And uh, the whole banyas meditation, the service, the this and that and the other. But you, something is missing here, right? And then you, 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 you are somehow ready to understand this, to listen to somebody mm -hmm. that gives an explanation, okay, that gave you a description of a fact, and then somehow that makes sense and kicks in and starts working by itself. See, it's like somebody push a button in your brain and, and, and that by itself starts working. An exit actually enters in your brain. See, pump. And the energy that is already there uses that... Uh, Understanding and does the rest of the work, see, and even the inquiry. There is such a big misunderstanding about the inquiry. It's not even a question: Who am I? It's a, a question suggests if I, if you are seated now, okay, and somebody behind you uh, enters the hall, okay, somebody enters your room and I ask you, who is that person? What are you going to do? Your attention goes. So you're going to see who that person is. Then, who am I? Is to see. What you call I is to see the seer, the personal seer, the experienced seer. And when you look at that, it is just collapses. It cannot, it cannot stand hmm? if it is just seen without any identity with it. So more than a question, who am I, is this quality of observation. is to become aware of the I, to realize that the I simply doesn't exist. It is nothing but a notion, a belief or a concept. But definitely, people will have to do through whatever they have to do, the spirituality or religion or this and that or the other. See, what I went through the whole ABC. Sure, and what I would suggest is that it's not like you were just killing time or or just sort of doing things that had no influence whatsoever. But I would suggest that all the things you went through kind of were like it's like here's an, an analogy for you. Let's say a person is standing in the middle of a big mud puddle, and there's somebody out on the edge of the puddle that says, "Here, come out of the mud, take a step." And the guy says, wait a minute, you're asking me to take a step into the mud. I'm, if I take a step, I'm still going to be stepping in mud. And the guy says, yeah, but just take the step and then take another step, take another step. Eventually, you'll actually step out of the mud puddle. So all the things you went through, for instance, um, they were still in the mud. You know, They were still ultimately uh, meaningless, we could say, but they were kind of culturing or developing or getting you to the point where you could really step out of the mud puddle altogether. See, the thing with all that, this is my, my experience, and I think this is the experience of many too, that you may believe that you are purifying yourself, but you are not purifying yourself at all, because the only way that you can purify yourself is if you, is, is if you see what you call yourself. Mm -hmm. And then I found that anybody that tries to be a good person and then starts behaving in a good way, eventually becomes a bad person, because it has been repressed all the rest. It's been straining, or yeah only way that you can, none of that is going to help, okay, I mean it's going to help because whatever, but the thing is that the only way to get rid of the stuff is seeing the stuff, you, you cannot get rid of something that you cannot see, so I can repeat my mantras and all that stuff, but I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing my subconsciousness, I'm not seeing what is hidden in the Pandora box, so the only way, on the contrary, while I'm doing all this, okay, 
I have, I have just put in, a, put, put in all that on hold. That is, oh, come on, when are you going to stop practicing? I need to, I'm supposed to get out of here. You, say, you don't let me get out of here because you are pretending to be a spirit. <laughs> Although, again, to play devil's advocate, I mean, I've been on courses where people are doing long meditation, you know, using a mantra, and you wouldn't believe the garbage that comes up. I mean, the stuff that starts getting released and seen. Um, so, it, you know, it can be a, a methodology, that sort of thing, and, and uh, for helping to loosen up and, and uncover stuff that needs to be seen. So, well, imagine that you are uh, a security guard, see, uh -huh. at, at a disco, right? And then you have all these demons, right, that wants to get out of the disco, right, who want to get out of here. And then you start doing a whole sort of... Uh, a form of control or whatever you see to let them go out, but they 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 are they are, they, are, they are not going out because you are doing something. They are pushing you. Uh, see, this is just it's happening. See, the demons are just pushing the guy out of out of the way. Hmm. So it's not happening because I'm repeating mantras. It's happening because this is just see looking for its way out. You see, it can it cannot be the result of a seeker. See, it cannot be the result of the me, see, and, and this is the me trying to achieve something, right? Whether it's purifying, uh, trying to liberate something or whatever it is. And even if that happens, still there is a me that apparently is experiencing something called what is coming to the surface. See? But in reality, there is no one even experiencing what is coming into the surface because you are the very thing that is coming into the, coming to the surface. See? It's not separate from, from you. Well, I would grant you this, that if, if a person is doing spiritual practices which involve a lot of individual manipulation or effort or control or just individual involvement, then it very much is in tune with what you're saying, that there's just, um, you know, all that is not really going to be that effective. But, you know, there, there are some practices which, are, which don't involve so much of that, which, which really just are, are, are a means of getting yourself out of the way, you know, so that, um, so that this natural unfoldment that you're talking about can, can yeah. proceed without impediment. I spend a lot of time in India, mm -hmm. ashrams and these famous gurus and this and that, and, and, and I felt myself, you know, such a nice being, good, this, that, and the other, and I'm done and ready, but it's not, it's not true, this is just dormant. It's just not showing up, it's just hidden. And then you have a sense, of, and then you develop an identity with how good I am, enlightened, dressing in white, the whole spiritual thing, whatever, whatever. Oh yeah, I know. And even some of these famous gurus have a lot of stuff they haven't looked at, you know, that <laughs> they manage to kind of keep buried down. Well, they need to keep an image of a guru. Right, right, yeah, they're locked into that image and the big public uh, fame and so on. I just wrote something on, on Facebook because my Facebook has been hacked and a lot of things have been going on around me, whatever. And, and, and I said that there is nothing heavier to carry than a reputation, and there is nothing more tedious than sustain that reputation. That, that keep on, and because you have to control your health, you have to pretend because then you see, then then your business is over, right? But I, I was going to say something. But I found myself, okay, when when I, when 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 the demon says, okay, sister, I'm sorry, we have to get out of here. So, in spite of you. Okay, we have to get out of here. And I found myself saying, oh my God, look at that. Waking up in the morning with the biggest fear ever. The body paralyzed, petrified in bed, not even having the strength or the willpower to remove the bed sheets out of my body. Okay, in a holy place, believing that I am an enlightened being, because this happens after the recognition. And I say, oh my God, look at that. And I found myself 
same things that I couldn't even believe I was capable to think or to feel. Having thoughts, intentions, and desires, say, oh, mama mia. And see, until I understand, this is not mine. This is collective. This is not, not, it is mine, but it's not only mine. It is collective. Right? And you better leave it alone. See, because you may believe that you are mad. The madness is there, but you may believe that you are mad. You are mad because there is no you there. There is only the madness needing to express itself to, to, to clear out the space. That's all. It doesn't matter how many years you, you, you are in spirituality or practicing or whatever, sooner or later, see, what we do is like this, you see. We don't want to do this. Oof. <laughs> what we like, we're lucky. See, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, whatever it is, see? and then we, we, we have an, an image of ourselves, but nobody wants to smell what is there. <laughs> so for those who are just listening in audio, his Caesar zipped up his sweater, you know, and when it zipped up, he couldn't smell his underarm, and then he unzipped it again, and then he could, then it was, he was open to that possibility. <laughs> I have to say to myself, I am full of crap. Otherwise, it will never, it will never go away. So, in other words, I think what you're saying here is that, you know, as a, in your own experience as a spiritual teacher, and you fly around the world and you lecture to hundreds of people, um, there could be a tendency for a certain persona to develop and to get identified with. Oh, I'm the enlightened guy, you know, and people have a certain expectation of me, and you have to kind of keep that counterbalance with humility and with the, with the realization that, you know, after all, you're full of crap. <laughs> Even though you might have something of value to say to people, it doesn't mean you're the great, you know, savior of the world or something. You're just a guy uh, who's got something to offer. To be honest with you and whoever is listening to that, I burn the, rain, the rest of my nonsense while talking about the subject. And the people that were coming to the talks were my gurus. They were the one who were... See, stirring up all my, the rest of what was there. See, and even along the, the it was wonderful to see how, oh, it's like, thank you too. It's like the, the person was giving me thank, uh, thanks for some kind of clarity that was attained by listening to the talk, and I was also saying thanks by that person allowing me to see what, what was, what was there, because in reality, this is just an interaction that is simply happening. There's no guru here, a student, a student there. It's life here getting rid of Caesar, okay, and life there, getting rid of the other one that plays the role of a student, but it's the one that is doing the whole thing here is the same one that is doing the whole thing here. There's nobody involved in the whole story. So, yeah, and, and it's, it's was fascinating. It was a challenge, you see, to be able to, 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 to see all that stuff. You know? And I think maybe it wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have been exposed to, to the possibility of speak to people about the subject, and then you you see how your ego rise, how you see that how great you are, and you are helping the humanity, and then you see that happening, and then you dissolve that by seeing that happening. It's just fascinating. See, this becomes absolutely fascinating. This process of introspection, if you want to see it, or self-awareness, or, or whatever, it's just it's just amazing. If you if you do it in the right way, do it so to speak. It's just amazing. It's fascinating. Hmm. So you're saying. And uh, so you're saying that the, your very function as a spiritual speaker or teacher has been for you a very um, evolutionary tool for working out a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't think that there is anybody that can say I am done. Right. I agree. Because we are talking about subconsciousness. Mm -hmm. 
consciousness is nothing that you can see, only it comes to the surface. So nobody can say that there is uh, nothing empty, that the, the Pandora box is empty. And I cannot say I am liberated, because if you are not liberated, because I am you. So there is no one there that can possibly say, I am fully done. Unfortunately, there are people who do say that, but I don't uh, believe them. I don't believe them. <laughs> because they are true, they believe it and they believe. So until the, until the, the, the me, the sense of separation, does not disappear collectively from the human consciousness, there is no freedom at all. See, because even from the practical point of view, okay, suppose that the, I am free from conditioning, okay? I am, finally, it's no more rubbish. When I open my eyes, you still are there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Supermarket, you're still are there in the metro, you're still there in the traffic jam, you're still are there in the public office, you're still are there sitting on the throne as a king or a queen or a president or of a bank leader or a religious leader. So it's you still are there. So I'm not free from, from I because I still is there as you. Yeah, and uh, you know, Assad is still bombing his people and people are shooting children in schools and there's just so many things that, um, you know, if we really are the uh, totality that uh, are contained within us, you know, we contain all this stuff, and so obviously there's something to work out. Absolutely, absolutely, and this is when uh, compassion, uh, we know what compassion really is. I, I, I'm just going to remove myself from Facebook because this became kind of a joke. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm just going to stick to my website, and I'm going to stick to, uh, just to save myself to listen to all this spiritual aspiring and all the non-advaita Vedanta thing, and there is no I, and all oh, stuff, and you're sick and tired of it. Uh, plus, people are using my, see, you, you became, you start becoming a little bit famous, see, or, or known, so to speak, and then you start being a target of judgment and questioning and criticism and somebody trying to see what is there and, and tasting and say, listen, I'm not, no. click, unfriend you and, um, and you start offending people and I say, you know what, cheers and goodbye. Go to yeah. the website, send me an email and I will happily reply to you and I will just really, because I am actually beginning to understand after six years of talking that this is what I'm doing and then I'm more willing to work on it, to put more energy or into that and develop better my website which is a complete mess and, and stuff. In case you have a look at that already. I did look at it. Yeah, it could use a little work. <laughs> because people don't understand. I was talking about, about that yesterday during the talk. I said, guys, I have no interest whatsoever to talk, at you, to talk to you about this subject. But I don't mind talking to you. Because the way I function is you ask me, Cesar, what's the time? And I look at my watch and said, 11.30. And if you ask me, Caesar, why am I suffering? Then I reply to you. So whatever I do is just a natural response to the challenge of the present situation. And it goes out according to my cultural conditioning and the capacity that I, that, that I have to do it according to the, the ability that I have to speak the language, English in this case, and, and the vocabulary that I have, and, and maybe some cultural behavior from my South American Latin blood or whatever it is, you know? But uh, uh, why am I saying this? I keep on getting less fantastic. Uh, yeah. uh, well, we're talking about the role of a teacher, and I'll, I'll go ahead. I think you got the idea again. I'm talking about the possibility to do things without wanting to do it. See, I don't mind doing it. I don't want to do it because life in reality happens without effort, intention, desire, and even knowledge. See, life doesn't need knowledge to do what what has to be done. For example. 
if I, for a second, divide myself into two for the sake of explanation, see, if I am the awareness, I am in control, I am in control of what happens. So I am controlling this body without knowing how to do it. See? I am growing my hair, functioning my heart and the immune system, the whole complexity of the universe, without even knowing how to do it, without making any effort, see, without any intention or any desire. Because that which is there, which is intelligent, doesn't need knowledge, and yet it can produce it and use it, but it doesn't need it anyway. Yeah, so you're saying that that um, intelligence which is growing your hair and, you know, governing the planets and so on, is the same... It's the it's the same uh, force which causes your behavior and and your and your speech. So I mean, when you say I'm doing things without wanting to do them, it almost has a negative con connotation, like you don't want to do them. But I think what you're saying is uh, that the motivation to action is just spontaneous in response to the 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 impulses that come. Exactly. If somebody tries to hit me, that's automatic response. Hit me. Right. And if somebody asks you a question, there's an automatic response. Response, but there is no there is no desire from outside to to teach anything to anyone to to, to because uh, in reality we don't teach a thing. We are not giving anything to anyone. See, we are just describing facts. So mm -hmm. this is what is happening. If you can see what I see, then you are free. See, realize that there is nothing but freedom. There is not even freedom. Mm. There's, there's a metaphor that a teacher is like a reservoir and the reservoir doesn't really uh, the reservoir only flows if somebody puts a pipe up to it you know and then according to the size of the pipe there will be a certain amount of flow um, yeah. well, you know this is my everyday paradox when I am sitting in front of people that honestly from the depth of my heart I say guys what do you want to talk about because I have no clue what to tell you and when I answer to them I say I don't even know what I'm talking about <laughs> Francis Lucille is the same way. He doesn't like to give talks that he has to just give, but he just likes to sit there and then just respond to whatever questions come. He needs to be alive, otherwise he's not real. And then Caesar is like a water tap, right? The water is there, there's no question about it. Mm -hmm. You cannot see it, doesn't mean that it's not there. But it's up to you, see, the way you approach the sincerity and the clarity of your questions and the, and the, and the honesty of your intention is what opens the tap. So if you come to challenge and to taste and to prove something or whatever, you are just, a, on the contrary, you are tightening the tub. But if you really uh, wanted to free yourself from your suffering, then uh, there is going to be a tremendous amount of whatever you, whatever, as much as you want is there. See, as much as you want is there. And people are more and more capable to understand that the words during the talks are just an excuse. Hmm? There is a, there's an energy movement that is happening there. It's an energy there that is vibrating a particular frequency which is doing the work. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with the physical presence of the person or the teacher or the words that come through. It's just an energy movement. It's a vibration that is bringing an equilibrium in the person because people say, Caesar, sometimes, especially in the past when my English was not as good as now. <laughs> it's pretty good now, actually. Okay. And people say, Caesar, I don't know a word of what you're talking about. I really don't, cannot get the context. But there is something here that I can perceive. There's something there that I can understand. I don't know. I cannot explain it. And that's good enough. Yeah. You know, this moment of when the person says, oh my God, this moment, that's the cracking of the structure. There's no way back. Hmm. That person can go away. That person doesn't need to come to the talks anymore. And I would suggest that it's not like 
all the energy is pouring through Caesar and blessing these people, but somehow the, the, the teacher becomes like a catalyst which um, helps to facilitate a whole group uh, energy thing that, that happens in these circumstances and that everybody kind of comes into coherence or attunement with, with uh, some deeper field and, and it mutually uplifts them all. But there, is no there is no teacher that can possibly say, I am giving you my grace, or because of my grace. Or that this, if somebody says this is because of my grace, that's a complete disgrace. Mm -hmm. Nobody can uh, hold a copyright of this happening here, because there is nobody in charge. It's simply happening. I found myself sometimes giving answers, sometimes even talking science. And I go, and I say, my God, what am I doing? I don't have the authority to speak about the subject. Okay, mm -hmm. and somebody sent me an email or a video or some information that backs up intellectually, see, what I'm talking about, because you don't know, you don't know, because it's like a channel, it's something that, it's not that you are a channel, because if I say I am a channel, I am identifying myself as a body, okay, I'm saying that, see, there is the channeler, hmm? and what is channeling, and what is channel, and that doesn't exist, see, the cable, the that what is covering the cable and the cable inside and the electricity passing by and the bulb that lights up because of that, all that is an indivisible unit. We, for the practicality of the matter, we call the plug, the electricity, the cable, the wire, the cover of the wire, the pop, the plug, and the bulb. But all that stuff is only one thing, and that's the beauty of it. Mm. I remember back back in the 70s, I used to teach um, transcendental meditation, and and sometimes I would. You know, somebody would ask me a question, and I really wouldn't know the answer, but I'd just start to say a few words, and then the whole thing would just come to me, and I would I would be able to give, you know, a nice answer. And I I asked uh, Marishi Mahesh Yogi about this, and he said, "Well, that's the way I do it." <laughs> he said, I "Just you know, so there's just a sort of an impulse, and then it just flows through, you know, based upon the stimulus." For me, the person is capable to understand because the word doesn't mean a thing. See, if we can see words just as a referring kind of thing, something that refers to something. See, for me, people, there's a misunderstanding about thought and mind and ideas and so on. So words are words, and words are not a concept unless they, see, I can say this is a bottle of water, right? But I'm just using the word, the sound, see, just to refer to this object. But when the when I when I believe that the word is what I'm what what I'm pointing at, then the word now give a value, give an identity and a definition, and then there's a concept. There is your concept. This is the meaning of concept, mm. right? Then I say, well, this is a bottle of water, and you say, no, that's a container of water. No, it's a bottle. No, it's a container. At the beginning was a word, see, and then you have the bottlers and the containers at the other side of the battlefield, right? Because now it becomes a concept, see. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't mind if people say, well, it happens through me, or it's just happening. See, if you're really capable to, 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 you have to take the word and the intention behind the word, which is to refer to something, then it doesn't matter, because nowadays, oh my God, there's so much mixed up uh, with the spiritual terminology, with this AI, but there is one, oh my <laughs> Reminds me of Gulliver's Travels. There was this controversy between the small enders and the big enders in terms of like who who cracked their their poached egg from the small end or the big end, and they got a big war about it. <laughs> One has less press. Oh, mama mia, guys, you're completely nuts because we have such a 
a mixture in our head, okay? Because even words, all that has a complete meaning. So the whole thing, believe me, we have to restructure the whole thing, put ourselves together, right? But uh, the, the word mind, for example, there is no mind. There is no mind, what does it mean? Mind really means the idea of separate existence. So separation doesn't really exist. That is the meaning of no mind. That no mind or no thought doesn't mean that you are not thinking. Is that the idea of separation is no longer operating or appearing in your thought process. That's all. So silence is not the absence of words or thoughts. Silence is the absence of the idea that I am a separate individual self. That's all. It's, it's brutally simple. Mm. Brutally simple. That's nice. That it might it might be valuable to just dwell on that point for a second because, you know, maybe some people are expecting to be free of thoughts or free of words. You know that they're no longer their mind's going to be a blank. Uh, but that's what you're saying is that. Um, well, you just said it that silence is not the absence of all that. It's just the 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 freedom from identification with that. Because it is I and you, but there is also an understanding that I and you are one and the same thing. Mm-hmm. I am, I am, I am fascinated because so much. This is the first time I come. This is amazing because I am, I am breaking the, I am breaking the rules. I'm becoming a prophet in my own land. <laughs> in South oh America. yeah, yeah. Well, it's not Venezuela. You're in Mexico. <laughs> it's somehow the same language, the same culture. See, Central America is basically the same. Uh, if you if you study the the culture of Central America, it's basically one and the same thing. Yeah. It has Aboriginal roots, you know. And you're teaching in Spanish. Yes, and I'm speaking in Spanish, and and it was a challenge because I haven't speak Spanish for nine years. So I thought that everything, all what we know, is fascinating because all what we know is there. Mm-hmm. It's like a, I can sit in front of a tree, okay, and my mind is quiet, but all what I know is at the background, the memories at the background. And if somebody asks me, Sisa, what are you doing? I will say, I'm watching that tree. It's like the knowledge is there, but only comes to the front when it's necessary. And it goes back. And this movement, it happens by itself. There's no efforts, no control, there's no intentions, no desires, no knowledge. It just happens. Then, uh, uh, I'm learning a lot of, uh, here has been taught about Mayan culture. And, and the principle of Mayans is that I am I, and I am you. It's not like you and I. There is no you and I. So I am I, and I am you. So I am that which sees, I am that which, uh, and that which is seen too. Hmm? So it's like I am God and part of God. It's not I am only part or only God and this and that of the other. So that. So, so that was a, a prominent standard part of their culture. Oh yeah, that's both the best. Oh, that's nice. Yes, best. And I'm learning. I say, oh my God, it's so nice for me to to really understand my 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 own region. You see. Yeah. Uh, it's about the Mayans, so the the king at the top of the pyramid. It doesn't represent. There was no king. There were there was no king at all. That represented the level of consciousness that humanity was capable to attain at that time. And the other spaces of the pyramid, this is your scientific knowledge, okay, that you could possibly attain at that time to get this level of understanding with all the scientific knowledge that they developed. So they were no king at all. The pyramids, nowhere, they were not kind of a palaces or anything because this magnificent structure and then you have the villages outside. Not everybody was living in the villages and this and the pyramid was just a laboratory where everybody was uh, uh, allowed to enter there and experiment and, and use uh, the instrument in the laboratory. Men and women were the same. Uh, this is not true they were killing anybody. Uh, so it wasn't the Mayans that did all the human sacrifices, was that some other thing or 
absolutely a myth because all these guys are coming to, to the surface now. See, all these antique, there are cultures that people believe didn't exist anymore, like the Kogis in Colombia and Venezuela and, and the Mayans now showing up here. This is an extraordinary movement in South, of South America about all this Aboriginal culture coming to the surface and they say, no, we were not killing anybody. That's not true. This is what the Spanish. They just made that up? just made that up. They were not killing anybody, there was no human sacrifice, there's no taking girls and removing the heart and all that stuff. Mm. There was no there was not even currency such thing as as cocoa. See? Because they they, they didn't know what economy was. Mm. The economy, everybody has access to all the information and all the wealth and all that stuff. They were living in a harmonious uh, way with with uh, so all the what we know is just made up. Mm. <laughs> So the Spanish just made that stuff up to justify subjugating and conquering? Exactly. exactly. Because imagine these guys coming here, the, the, the Catholicism, when came here, the, the, the snake was a symbol of the serpent. See? And when they came here, there were snakes in every single <laughs> structure. They say, oh, we found them. See? Mm. found them. Let's kill them all. See, this is the guys that, these are the bad guys that we are looking for. See, we're going to kill them all. But that's not true. They didn't know what even what economy was. Hmm. See? Interesting. All right. Well, um, so what haven't we covered? Yeah. Any anything? I know that I need to really ask you questions in order to elicit responses. But is there anything you feel like, you know, you usually like to pr convey to people that we haven't really discussed? Not that I remember. That's <laughs> well, let me ask you this, um, you know, in terms of your day-to-day -day experience now, from day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, as you go along, teaching and traveling and so on, um, what is it that really inspires you now? What do you feel like, um, you know... Uh, what, what, really, what really gives me the... because it's tiring, okay? It's fun in a way because you travel a lot and you know many places and you know people and that's quite interesting. What is very challenging and demanding for the body. Actually, I collapsed physically in December last year in Spain. I couldn't even move anymore. Mm. Oh, you're a pretty young guy. You must be in your 30s, right? I'm 43. 43. Okay, so you're 20 years younger than I am. <laughs> Although I'd like to be doing what you're doing, but it'd be even more tiring for me. But what, I, what, I, what is fascinating me and what is giving me like, 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 okay, it doesn't matter how exhausting it can be. Is the the more and more people are. Okay, and, and uh, you have to say a few words or a few things and the people immediately start grabbing it. And I say, well, that's nice. That's nice. You know? and, and that I can see how the whole thing is changing. It's like it is working. So it is worth doing it, so to speak. You know? So do you feel like people are getting it more readily than they used to? It's like they're waking up more easily, more quickly or something? Yes, I don't know. I, I, I I don't, I don't, I cannot separate anything from anything, right? Mm -hmm. And there is an energy movement going on. If you are quiet enough, you can feel it. Because the body is the world. See, so what happens in the world happens in the body. Mm -hmm. You feel it in your own, in, in your own self. You can see how the energy is just rising up. It's like a... You feel like it's accelerating or, or getting more intense or something. Accelerating the process. But with the process acceleration, this is my only concern. So... If you have a, a sewing machine, for example, okay, and it's programmed to do this, right? It has a program, right? And it, this machine is working on a battery, six volts. So it 
If you put 12 volts, what happens with that? Yeah. You put 120 volts. You know? probably you blow it out. <laughs> it out. Yeah. My only concern, especially when I see all these occupational movements and all that stuff, is that same the, the is happening. Can either help you to get out of the sense of separation, or it can just devastate whoever is not enough conscious. Why? Because if you have a set in your head, you see, to start people, right? And then you accelerate that, and you will have somebody, okay, that is doing that with more intensity. Mm. That's my only concern, or perhaps the, the, one can say the negative side of the whole process, that uh, I heard people saying that those who are not aware enough will not be able to go through, see, because if you are not capable to not be in conflict with all that stuff, so it can get this all what you see, then it's going to become, it's like the madness that already exists in human form will become manifested in its maximum expression. Interesting you should say that. I mean, we just had this uh, shooting a week ago in the United States, you know, where 26 people and 20, 20 young children were, were shot. And so there's a lot of discussion now about mental health. And uh, it's said that one in 17 Americans are seriously mentally ill, but they're not institutionalized or being cared for. They're just running around in the streets. And so what you're the concern you're and, and people are wondering why is everybody so crazy? Why is why are all these shootings taking place? And also what you're saying is maybe that the the world energy is increasing and it's going to make the crazier the crazy people crazier. You cannot expect any other reaction from for a humanity that has been repressed and controlled for thousands of years. See? Then they get sick and tired because that's the only difference between a madman and an awakened being. Both are awakened. The difference is that the madman is in absolute complete conflict with the society. Being in conflict with the society is suffering. Mm-hmm. And then he will try to get rid of the cause of what he believes or she believes is his suffering, which is his society. And if he doesn't believe in the society but himself, then either he committed homicide or suicide, right? And when you have a tremendous amount of suffering and you don't know how to deal with that, then you go, you need to, 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 to heal that, you need to, to calm down that, you need a painkiller, right? And what, this is why people go to sex and drugs and alcohol and, this, and distraction and entertainment and all that stuff, because they don't know, but there's no difference. The madman doesn't want to be part of the society, of this culture, mm-hmm. but the awakened one couldn't care less, because he knows that, see, it's nothing that he or she can do. For example, I say, I use the system to survive, but the system cannot use me to survive. Because I will take only 1% of what the system provides, because it's the only thing that I need. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm not sponsoring that. If I'm not sponsoring that, it collapses. So the system as such will not collapse because I occupy the streets and occupy this and I do this and the other. I simply don't believe in it, therefore don't cooperate with it. And I will find myself moving in a complete parallel direction, doing whatever I have to do and, and leaving, leaving the society behind. So when you have a society that has been repressed and controlled for thousands of years, so all this anger and all this resentment can explode. See, I'm talking about, is it this really global awakening will imply that I will have to sit and eat in the same table, okay, with the same people that I believe are oppressing the humanity for thousands of years. Because if I don't include them, I become them. See, I still, I am exactly like them because, see, that means release people from jail, 
that because the jail, the, the criminal is a byproduct of the society. If you don't have something called private property, which is an absurd, see, when something belongs to the individual or the state, which means everything belongs to the state because the individual is part of the state. So what can you expect? See, the, the, the society makes you either a slave or a thief. They give you no choice. So what can you expect of this society which is completely individualistic and reinforces that belief that you can fulfill your own dreams, but they sell you the dreams that you're going to fulfill? Right, because they're going to do business with that. You know? <laughs> I, still, I see you've still got a bit of the political radical in you. Um, <laughs> And I, I was just going to say, you know, um, oh, go ahead. You were about to say something else. Go ahead. But we were talking about, say, we approach to a particular subject, see, according to the subject itself tells you how to deal with that. But there is no revolution here anymore. See, I'm not concerned about fighting the system. See, I couldn't care less about the system. But sometimes you have to prove with that because you, you have no choice. See, see what, nothing makes me laugh the most when I cross a migration point, and I do that a lot. And I say, oh my God! And I have to, I have to see to the embassies and the migration points. I have to make them to do homework. I burn a five-year passport in two and a half years, and I say to the embassies, please put my stamps from the front to the back. And I take the migration agent to put the stamp from back to forth, so I can have enough space in the passport. Because sometimes they do pa pa pa, and you lose the, your passport, and they look at you. You know, why? Well. I don't say that. I say, well, to begin with, that's my passport. See? And I would like you to do with my passport whatever I want. Can you mind to put the stamp here? And then when I see all that, I say, oh my God, look at that stuff. All these people that are completely legal, their visas are okay, they have money, but when they see the authority, they are terrified. They are nervous, even when they are completely legal, whatever that means. And I laugh and I say, oh my God. So believe me, literally laugh to the point that I have to put myself together not for security to come and do believe that I'm stoned or drunk or under something. Right? But I say, oh my God, look at that stuff. So somebody takes a piece of paper and then looks at you and I say, yes, this is you. <laughs> See, that's your identity. See, this is what says who you are. And then, how can we expect a society like that? And sooner or later, we, 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 know, we can't take it anymore. Mm. But watch that. When you see all these revolutions of Hugo Chavez or Che Guevara, they are right, but the mechanics are in opposition. And if you are in opposition, you are divided. If you are divided, you are in conflict. And therefore, they will be suffering in one way or another. Yeah. I would say that a point we could extract from the, what we've been talking about for the last five minutes is um, reminiscent of what you were saying in the beginning about, you know, when awakening occurs, then that's not the end of it. There has to be all this con working out of, of conditioning and impressions and so on that have been stored up for who knows how long. And perhaps what we're seeing is we're seeing that on a societal level where there's a kind of a global awakening taking place, like the uh, welling up of the energy, as you were saying a few minutes ago. And like it or not, that's causing people to begin to process all kinds of stuff that's been buried in them. And the, But the difference is that if someone has kind of consciously and intentionally been going through such a process, they've worked a lot of it out, uh, you know, and dealt with a lot of it. But, but if somebody hasn't been, and now they're going to be forced to be, then it could be much more um, traumatic for them than, than if they had already been kind of consciously on that, uh, on that, tra on that train, on that project. Yes. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's my concern. See, when you see that child, what happens in the U.S. So who knows 
through what was going on by child. So we cannot call them criminals. They are not, they are the effect, they are not the cause. Mm. They are the result, they are the byproduct of something. Right. So the only, sometimes, I don't believe there are mental illnesses. Either you have something wrong in your brain, okay, or you have a tremendous amount of idea, but they are not separate from your brain because the, the brain structures depend, depend very much upon your thoughts. Sure. So what are we talking about? See? Right? They say, they say from this point of view, there's a tremendous amount of understanding and compassion. It's not possible to judge anything or anyone because there is an understanding of what is going on. Hmm? So I don't want to put these people in jail. I want to see why this is happening to avoid this happening again. Because jail is also a business. I was watching uh, some uh, studies the other day. I said, oh my God, it's, it's, the jail is a complete business. It's like a, a complete infrastructure that makes a fortune okay, out of these guys. And this infrastructure is not concerned at all about fixing the problem because if they fix the problem, the business is over. So it's unbelievable. That's true. And some people even argue that the same is true of, you know, cancer and some other problems like that. Like it's a huge business, and if it got cured, then a lot of people would be out of a job. But there is something interesting going on. Is that all that is coming to the surface. And Internet is doing a good job. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of information out there, and anybody can access to it for free. So you have a tremendous amount of rubbish, but also you have a tremendous amount of good stuff. So it will be up to you to be able to see that like kind of from a side to, to, to see that this is rubbish and this is not and then you stay with this and then you discard the rest. This is something that is part of this personal observation. It's like without any effort again, this uh, intention or even knowledge, see, this process of discrimination between this and that happens and the, the removal of that or non-applicability of that occurs and this only is what is operating, which is just the practicality of, of the thought process in absolute harmo harmonity, in, in harmony, in harmony, and, and whatever is around you, hmm. Hmm. it's undivided attention. It's undivided attention. It's still, you are paying attention to something, but you are not divided. See, from what you are paying attention to, that's 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 the simplicity of this uh, message, if you want to call it, no, or suggestion, or invitation, or whatever. You know, language is uh, subject to interpretation. Hmm. Yeah. All right, well, I guess we might as well wrap it up. Um, we're kind of getting close to the two-hour point. Um, so uh, this has been enjoyable. I, you're, you're one of these people that I could kind of keep going on all day. Just I say that to everybody, Irene says, but some people more than others. You know, some people it's like, it's a little bit like pulling teeth, you know, getting getting the thing to flow. But in, in your case, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of a fountainhead of, of creativity and, and interesting perspectives and I really appreciate that and uh, I'm sure that's why you get four, five, six hundred people coming to your talks in di different places and I'm not saying this to puff up your ego or anything, I'm just saying that that's the way you're wired and that's the function you're performing and uh, and I think it's a good thing for the world. Yeah, sometimes yeah, and also what you're doing because this is part of, this is part of, the, of the whole uh, mechanism no? Yeah, part of the whole game I'm speaking to you, but then when you put this on the internet, then thousands of people can see that, you know, and can get a, a benefit from it. So why not? Mm -hmm. not. Even, if, even if we don't want to do it, there's nothing wrong with doing it, you see? Yeah, you know what? Another, another thing people say is that um, 
they appreciate the diversity. You know, I've done about 150 of these now, and, and sometimes I'll put one up, and, and cer certain people say, I, don't know, I think that person's kind of crazy. You know, why did you interview that person? But then on the other hand, they say, yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting to see. It's it's just a different perspective, and it kind of helps me to break out of my my kind of limited understanding that you know it has to be this particular way and no other. A workshop, and we are helping each other in one way or another. The, the interaction, the, the interaction itself, brings somehow some kind of understanding and some kind of a dissolution or, or whatever. So I also uh, understood that. When I was listening to my videos, because I was suggested to do so, because of my language limitations or whatever, and I said, oh my God, look at that. I look at myself talking. I listen to myself talking. I said, what am I talking about? See, that's not what I'm trying to say. So I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know how to talk about it. Because I don't think that anybody from the beginning is capable to deliver this in a, in a very clear and simple way. So it takes a while. It does. It's like you were saying earlier, nobody's done. And that, that also is it's true as if you try to expound this, it's, there's no end to the degree of refinement that might be possible and clarity and, and subtlety of expression. Exactly. People say, Cesar, you have changed a lot. No, I'm not changing. It's not that I'm changing. It's that, the, as you say, it's a process of refinement. And then you, you learn how to, or you don't learn. Somehow it starts happening also by itself that it becomes simple and clear. And if you stay in that clarity and that simplicity, instead of going through the peripheria and the karma and the this and the that and the other, just stay with this. That, that's, that's enough. And people are more and more interested in that. I want something simple and I want something clear because I did the rest of it and it hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, it's like anything. And, and this would actually apply not only to teachers but to everybody who's listening. It's... Uh, you know, you play the violin, the more you do it, there's like a muscle memory, they say, that gets developed, or skiing, you know, the more you do it, the, 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 the ability to do it just gets ingrained. So the more one sort of puts one's attention on this sort of thing we're talking about, the more second nature it becomes. And you learn every day. So every, it's, a, it's a constant process of developing or, or growing or, or whatever you like to call it. So nobody can say, I'm done. I'm when you, if you say, I'm perfect, you are dead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because then you get stuck in a particular thing that you, you call perfection. Say, okay, I reach in the spirituality the state of perfection. What on earth is that? You see, I reach the point of who reach any point of anything. See, when the whole thing see goes on and on and on, and the brain goes on growing, and the, see the whole thing goes on expanding and developing and changing. Say, who who who? No, who is there to begin with? <laughs> That's the yeah. You see, if there is any, no. Well, I talk to a lot of spiritual people, and I haven't met any perfect ones yet. Perfection at all. There's no perfection. Repeat <laughs> these things. You interview the same person two, three times. So sometimes. Sometimes. Usually, if it's a case where uh, somebody has undergone a lot of change. You know, since the last time I interviewed them, that maybe their perspective has really shifted, or they have something really unique to new to say that you know some something they realized that they didn't hadn't realized back then 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 we'll do another one a year or two later yeah, or, or maybe because I, I feel that there is kind of a an interaction between you and the viewers that the viewers somehow uh, are the one that dictates who is coming and why is coming and who no because basically it's the viewer who who says I would like to see this or, or and you just some 
trying try to fulfill that demand. You know? it, it, to a certain extent. In fact, uh, you know, people send in requests all the time, and I keep like a spreadsheet with, uh, you know, our friend uh, Dana helps to keep this, where we um, keep a tally of how many people have been recommended. And uh, even though sometimes I'll interview people that nobody has ever heard of or recommended because I just feel like that would be an interesting person, we, we do try to get to the people that a lot of people are requesting. Well, I, I, I would say thank you also to you, and, and it was also interesting because it was a, a very open space. It was, uh, it was really, 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 there was a communication from as far as I can see, like kind of a, a flow of the conversation. Yeah. yeah, good, I felt that too. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, so let me make just a couple of concluding remarks. Um, I've been speaking with Cesar Turiel, to pronounce it correctly. Uh, and uh, or, or Caesar, we might say. And uh, at the moment, he's in Mexico, but he travels all over. And if you check his website, which is what CaesarTurrell.com. Yeah. And I'll be linking to that website from BatGap.com, so you don't need to worry about the spelling or anything. Just check there, and you'll you can get in touch with him or see what his schedule is going to be, where he's going to be, and so on. If you'd like to, uh, you know, come to one of his talks. And uh, this discussion I've been having with Caesar is one that I have every week with someone, and so if you'd like to listen to others, um, subscribe to the YouTube channel or uh, go to batgap.com, and there's a little tab you can click to sign up for an email notification whenever a new interview is put up. There's also a discussion group there that um, gets uh, built up around each interview, and there's also a general discussion tab, but specific to each interview, a discussion arises each week, so feel free to participate in that. It's, you have to kind of sign up and register on the site, but it's not too complicated. Um, there's a donation button there, which I appreciate people clicking when they feel inclined. And uh, this is also available as an audio podcast. If you don't want to sit in front of your computer and listen, you know, have to just sit there and watch. You can listen while you're commuting or something. So there's a link with each interview to the iTunes site where you can subscribe to the podcast. You'll see that there. So, th oh, were you about to say something, Caesar? I just because I'm allowing you to do whatever you have to do. I just miss the point when, because people are more or less aware of this is what is happening. They keep on asking me when this is going to be online. Uh, so to be able to, to watch it, so how, how, what can I tell them? Oh, well, um, I'm a little bit backlogged right now, so it might be like around New Year's or something when this actually gets online. Uh, but by the time anybody's actually watching or listening to this, of course, it will already be online. But people you're, you're talking to, tell them it might be a couple of weeks, uh, but it'll be up as soon as possible. And how do they access? It's going to be on YouTube, or they have it'll, to. Go it'll be on YouTube, and uh, they, if they search for your name, they'll probably find it there. Also, if they go to batgap.com, B-A-T-G-A-P, they'll they'll see it there, and you know, just my website, Buddha the Gas Pump, and they'll see all the other, you know, 150 ones I've done, all archived. And on the right hand side, there's a column of all the names of the people that I've interviewed, and it's alphabetical, so yours will be under the C's, and. Uh, Mind, do you mind to send me an email or, or on a Skype formation? So, because in the same way you, you, you are giving the chance to people to have kind of a buffet of teachers. Mm -hmm. right? People can from here to and there, whatever they want. So I can also put it on my website. And like you referred to me and I referred to you too. So if you can send me that information in details, then I could put an announcement on my website or uh, on Facebook for as long as it lasts or whatever. So we can... Okay, great. I'll do that. Thanks. All right, so thank you, Caesar, and thank you to all those who have been listening or watching, and uh, we'll see you next week. Okay. <laughs>